Nine minutes after nine o'clock, free for all Friday. Got some uh, rough weather out there this weekend, but um, should be nice next week and time for Creekside Festival. We're doing the uh, photo contest, right, Brian? With That's the, right. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to the to Creekside. All right. Very good. Well, on uh, book bans, here's my thing. That's why nobody will ever elect me for anything. <laughs> I say don't ban anything, and that way we don't have to talk about it and let kids read whatever they want they can anyway. And if you don't ban it, they probably won't read it anyway because they just want to read what they're not supposed to. How's that? Vote for me. <laughs> Andy, would you vote for me? You were, you were a school board member. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I've been around you long enough to know you're a straight shooter. <laughs> yeah, with nothing to lose, you know, <laughs> other than a few people in the audience once in a while. Teresa Pontieri, our city councilwoman, city of Palm Coast. Welcome. Good morning. Good to have you in here. Andy Dance, of course, our uh, Flagler County Commissioner, District 1. Good morning. And, uh, you know, and Brian, our publisher of the... Uh, Ormond and Palm Coast Observer. That's so, right. Happy to, to be here. Enjoy the partnership we have here with our media, with Pierre and you and Danielle and everybody else around town here. So I think that's a it, special thing. It's absolutely. It is interesting. Just the, the issue that I keep coming back to with the book banning is like, should the school library have a different set of uh, values or standards, at least for what's in there, than the public library down the road? I personally think that that's okay if there's two different sets of rules there. But I also think it isn't, you know, I mean, Pierre's point is, okay, we're don't tread on me, Florida, but yet, you know, we're, we have this reputation now of restricting what people can read. Like that does restrict liberty. So I, I think that there, it's a really interesting tension that um, a lot of people feel very strongly about. But. Well, if I was a kid and they go, how's that for taking you know, a stand hey, on the well, issue? Well, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's when you act like the only place they can get it would be in the school library, which isn't true. You can, you know, get it, you can get it where any, any you want to. So if they go, hey, this is a dirty book, we don't want you reading it, that'd probably be the first one I would go read and see, hey, <laughs> that's what's why in we here? should elect you, David. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we're going to talk about real life, and um, we've got uh, the. Uh, Flagler County Unemployment uh, Report, if you heard uh, Greg Blase, uh, did a news story on here. And uh, Flagler County's unemployment rate increased for the fifth consecutive month to 3.9%, which is higher than our surrounding counties. And uh, the Chamber of Commerce's uh, take on that is that the working class people are moving in here faster than we can hire them. And but then also you kind of break that down as to, well, what kind of labor? Is it skilled labor? Is it unskilled labor? And, and all those kind of things. So. I, thought, I thought the the data was that people were moving in. We had we had Greg on a little while ago, too, and he was saying that the average income uh, of people moving out was lower than the average income of people moving in. I thought I thought that was a stat that he gave. So I'm wondering, like, so if we're getting more, as you say, working class coming in, and that could be increasing the unemployment. I'm not sure how mm -hmm. that jives, but uh -huh. it'd be interesting. But 3.9 percent. I mean, I, it's troubling that it's going up, but 3.9 percent would still be a pretty a healthy economy, right? So oh, yeah. Is that yeah. is that a concern? I don't know. So what are, do they, are the new people are the new people coming in pickier about what job they want? Then because everybody that I talk <laughs> mm -hmm. to that owns a business is having trouble. I would like to positions. hire. I want exactly. to hire. Yep. Yeah, I think it's physical labor that people that, in my opinion, that people are having a really hard time finding. It's physical labor, anything that's outside, um, yeah. that's not behind a desk, or that you can't work remotely. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. People yeah. got really used to doing that. And if that's not an option for them, they're not really interested. It's a big problem to lose physical labor jobs. It so is. You all look right. around how many, how many people are putting in the fiber, how many people are, you know, building the houses. Mm-hmm. That's skilled, like your gonna... tech level jobs too. And, and, and an additional point too is, I think the misnomer is that a lot of those uh, construction jobs or physical jobs aren't paying as well, but um, I've got a young son who counters that and mm-hmm. um, is, Lineman, is, right? is working mm-hmm. you know, in the field hard, um, but is making great money doing that and you know, is setting himself up pretty well for a bright future by, by at a young age, still 21 years old, and, and making a good living doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, the topic that doesn't go away is where do they live? You know, affordable housing. And uh, I know, uh, you know, Teresa, at the last city council meeting, you kind of got into it with a developer over, you know, how do we solve this problem? It is a, it's, it's everywhere in Florida. It's not just here in Palm Coast. Uh, afford- and I, I don't see anything wrong with saying affordable housing when you, you know, change all the name on attainable or, or workforce, work for, whatever. Um, it's still, it's a, you know, we need to have, a, it needs to be affordable. So I don't think there's any better more accurate word than that what do you think yeah i don't think the semantics aren't what we need to be concerned about there's a formula that actually determines what affordable housing means and i don't think that people understand what that formula is actually i was just listening to the affordable housing forum that was conducted um, a few months ago and they were talking about the affordable housing the programs that we have here in the county like cbdg and what we can do to increase affordable housing um, and not necessarily just increase density which is what I think people misunderstand as being the problem solver. Yeah. Well, and then it's supply and demand as well. So anyway, we got Toby there. He's my numbers guy. And uh, Toby Tobin, gotoby.com and host of Real Estate Matters. And uh, he does all the research and boils it down so we don't have to go that deep on things. But Toby, are you there? Yes, I am, David. Good morning. All right. Good morning. Um, So uh, say hi to Andy Dance and uh, Teresa Pontieri and Brian McMillan. Hi, folks. Good morning, Toby. Good morning. <laughs> hey, Toby. Good morning. Uh, hey, I asked you to come on at the beginning of the program and kind of because we're hearing there's a housing crisis. And, you know, that's a kind of a thing, easy thing. to. Is there a housing crisis in Flagler County? Uh, yes, there is. Yeah. Okay. And it's, it has to do with the affordability of housing. I, I did a little research a month ago, and uh, the... Median uh, household income in Palm Coast is $61,847. That's the latest census data. And uh, the industry, and I confirmed this again to make sure I was up to date with a, a mortgage broker, uh, the kind of general rule of thumb is you shouldn't be spending 30, more than 30% of your, your household income on housing. And housing would be including uh, your mortgage, principal, the interest, uh, taxes, and insurance. And so uh, I looked at $61,847. That's the median household income. That means that half of the households are below that, half or above. But the house that you could afford would be about $200,000. And at $200,000, it comes out to your housing costs are almost spot on with 30% of that median household income. But in the first seven seven months of this year, from July 1st through July 31st, only eight homes through MLS sold for less than $200,000. 
I did a, um, I did a, when you told me that, I did a, a Google thing on $200,000 homes in Palm Coast, and one came up, which was a one-bedroom, one-bath, 432 square feet on Marquette Avenue. And I'm like, oh, it looks kind of cute, you know, a little cottage or 400, something. 432 square feet. 432 square feet, one-bedroom. And then I looked at it, it's a mobile home. I didn't know we had mobile homes in, uh, in Palm Coast, but anyway, so... And was, nothing else came two, up. That was two hundred thousand. That was yeah, right there. There's the listing. I printed it out for you. Let, I me, knew you let me see that. I, I need you, to see that to now believe it. Newspaper guys don't believe anything. Four hundred and thirty-two square feet. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, but, Andy, go ahead. Yeah. Much bigger than a than a, a tiny house. But yeah. I'd like to point out that I'm, I'm quoting from the uh, city's comprehensive plan, the housing element of the city's comprehensive plan. Said so findings. The cornerstone of a city's quality of life is its housing stock. Citizens of all income levels desire safe, secure, good quality housing at a reasonable cost. Although the provision of housing is largely a function of the private sector, the public sector plays a role in helping to ensure that the housing needs of all citizens are met by attempting to balance the cost of housing with income levels and available jobs in the community. Okay. So, That's not happening. so how do we do it? Give us a simple answer here, Toby. Well, there, there are a couple approaches to more affordable housing. One is uh, government does play a role in setting uh, standards for, for instance, modular homes are factory-built homes, but they're, they're on slabs or stumbles. They're not, they're not trailers, but they're manufactured in much the same way. Uh, they're allowed in Palm Coast. There's no prohibition against modular homes in Palm Coast, except uh, we don't have any. That's, somebody said, and city staff told me there's one over in the, the B section. But the reason we don't have them is because they're constructed so they can be transported. So they can't have a high-pitched roof because you can't get under the bridges. Well, Palm Coast has a pitch roof requirement. Uh, it has a architectural additional architectural requirements like banding around the windows or around the structure itself. You have to have a front porch, a portico that comes out. And by the time you were to take a modular home and get it on site and then add all of the other stuff would have to be added after it was on site, you're back up to the cost of building, close to building on site. So the cost advantage goes away. Um, well, wait a minute. So, so what you're, you're saying that if, if Palm Coast would make a different ordinance for um, not manufactured, but prefab housing sort of a thing, because of those reasons that there could be a community of, of those? Does that make sense? Teresa, did, are you familiar with this? Or? Well, here's the problem. Um, I, I understand where Mr. Tobin's coming from, but there are already ordinances, and Andy can probably support me on this, in the county that allow for tiny homes and other types of affordable housing, and developers aren't taking advantage of it. So it's not just a government ordinance, city council type thing. It's also we have to find developers to actually come in and be willing to do affordable housing. Okay. All right. No, no she, she's, uh, Teresa's absolutely correct. And I, w I was actually part of that movement that brought that ordinance forward for the county. I was one of those in on stakeholder meetings. And some of the language, actually, I, I contributed it. But the reason that that hasn't happened is that you, it's almost like they did a virtue signaling exercise. So, see, there, we've done that. We've checked that box. The reality is that um, the land... Uh, where there are services like water and sewer, uh, 
uh, is just really expensive, and they can make a lot more profit uh, building a traditional house. The, what's left is the unincorporated county land where there's no water and sewer, and where there's no water and sewer, you have to have a well and a septic tank, and a conflicting uh, ordinance says that if, if you have a well and a septic tank, you can only have two units per acre. It's very low density. So it defeats the purpose of having the ordinance. So I, I agree with it. They did pass the ordinance, and, and developers have not come forward. And the reason is that it, there's, it just uh, the stars are not in complete alignment. Okay. All right. So infrastructure, Andy. Yeah, we are. By the way, you're, you're on the committee for affordable. What is the name of the committee again? <laughs> the Affordable Housing Advisory Committee. Okay. It's, um, uh, a committee established by statute. It's been around since the early '90s, um, and the committee gives recommendations to the county commission on incentives for affordable housing. So this is my uh, my second year on the committee, and uh, you know, I think just everybody needs to be aware of that if they've got an interest in, in affordable housing. Those We've also got Kathy Heider and Rick Bellhumer on that committee. Um, and, and just look it up. I mean, we meet the third, uh, the fourth Tuesday of each month in the Emergency Operations Center at 3 p.m. And uh, we're getting ready to submit our report, which is required to the county commission on, um, on incentives. Um, and, and new to that is the Live Local Act, which was passed last year um, and is still being worked through. I mean, there are a lot of uh, a lot of issues in that still being debate, uh, debated, but um, uh, there's 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 a lot of incentives. There's money behind that, and some and some new ideas that you know may result in some some new types of housings, or at least getting some affordable housing started. So you know, here's uh, you, a county commissioner, and Teresa, Palm Coast City Councilwoman, and you know we have. I mean, talk about being caught in the middle in the crossfire of everything because you've got people getting up there saying there's too many people here, and you're, and you just uh, you know we need more housing because there's not enough, and supply and demand would bring the cost down, and uh, apartments and density and four stories and all these sort of things to it. Is it like so? What goes through your head when you're um, you know, how I mean, how do you want to navigate through this and do good for the community with all everybody hitting it from all these sides? So there's two things that I think are really important. Um, one, we have a code and we have certain guidelines in our comp plan for a reason. And we need to follow that code. If we are stepping outside of the code as much as I feel our city council has been, then why not make an effort to change the code? Um, and we, we are reopening our comp plan. Um, so maybe that will happen. But right now, it's, all, it's as if our code doesn't exist. I think the way to kind of accommodate all of these different needs is to build developments that are a mix of housing products. And that doesn't mean you need four-story uh, multi-housing units because some of those rent right now is 2200 2500 and even higher than that. So you can't equate multi-housing with affordable housing. They're not the same thing. So when we're looking at these developments, it's, it's incumbent upon the city and the developers and the staff to all work together to create communities that have a variety of housing that accommodates different income levels. And a really good example of this, and one of the reasons I actually approved it, which is not something I would normally do, Belterra Estates was converted from commercial to residential. But what the developers doing there is they're building two different types of townhome products. One is a little bit smaller to provide for a more affordable product than the regular sized home. And so when we do that nice mix and people don't realize that they may be right next door to something that's for a, a 
more moderate or low income individual. Um, that's what we really need to create. It's that type of product. So it's, like I said, it's incumbent upon our planning division, our city council and our developer to recognize that and to work towards those goals. So you, so the, um, do you feel like Palm Coast needs more housing? I think that we need more industry. We need more jobs um, and we need to grow simultaneously. So it, it has to be done smart. So are we behind in housing right now? Like, do we need to add more housing to keep up with the demand for housing? I do think we, we need to continue to increase our housing, but not at the rate of what we're doing it. So for instance, since I've been on city council, just in rezonings alone and in, in communities that have been rezoned since I've been on city council, we've approved over 9,000 residential dwelling units. That's a lot yeah, but, <laughs> in less than a year. But, but okay, and, and we don't have the jobs to go with it. All right, here we go. Because this was one of the contention points um, at the city council meeting mm -hmm. where apologize that we said you were livid and you didn't like that. But anyway, I, I'm concerned. <laughs> livid, livid in telling me that I'm pontificating. I'm not pontificating. I have the exact numbers. There's a very big difference, but I'm concerned. It's, yeah. a, it's a genuine concern for our community. All right. Okay. So, um, so 9,000, so go ahead. But then, but then timeline came up like mm -hmm. this, we're approved, not like to be built next week. So go ahead, Toby, you were trying to jump in on you us. Know, here. Uh, the, the, the Beaver forecast is just the state uh, business and uh, research group is they're forecasting 228,000 residents in Flagler County by 2070, and uh, you know they are they are going to come. We're going to have to house. And I'll, I'll I'll disagree with uh, Teresa. We are short of all types of housing. We're short of multifamily housing. That's why rents are high. Uh, we're short on single-family housing, residential and single-family rentals. Uh, if you drive down a lot of the residential streets, you'll see several cars at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the evening when people are done working. Uh, but they're, they're finding innovative ways to afford to live here by having three or four unrelated people sharing a house. Uh, I, I have a family member who's in that situation, so I, I, I'm sure I'm correct on that statement. The, the arguments against... Um, Multi-family. Uh, I don't think you can make an argument against uh, increasing, say, a reasonable increase in density that holds up to any economic or social or environmental or moral scrutiny. And I think that the density arguments are generally based on bias, selfishness, and, and, and prejudice. There's a study that was done by Florida, uh, by the Thousand Friends of Florida. Uh, University of Florida and the Florida Department of Agriculture, and it's entitled Florida 2070, and it makes a projection of what Florida will look like from a, from a heat map, a density heat map in 2070 if we continue developing at our present density standards. And then it says if you just increase density by 20%, which would mean uh, for instance, our multifamily maximum is 15. It would be uh, it would become 18 if you increase by by 20 percent. The remarkable change in the heat map uh, it's it's just it's profound. And they forecast that um, that uh, you would save 27 percent decrease in development related water consumption just by increasing. Density and it, and it increases affordability as well because roads cost so much a mile to build or so much a linear foot of 
a 45-foot lot doesn't have to have as much road in front of it. It's a 70-foot lot. It's, it's just very, very basic. And then the cost of maintaining those roads is lower. You, you really can't dispute the fact that density, uh, it's not how you make it dense. Uh, not how dense you make it, it's how you make it dense. Let's let's and go it, back to supply, though. Let's go back to what we, we were talking about, supply, if you don't mind me interrupting. It's just that um, I've talked to a lot of people that are having, uh, especially on the multifamily market, having trouble finding. Do you have the occupancy rates, Toby, on on where we are with with the occupancy in our multifamily units? Uh, I think that, by and large, they're waiting listed. Yeah, that's what I was finding, which, again, makes it hard. Like zero availability. Yeah, and, and you can put whatever price you want on a, a rental if, if there aren't any. There was a time when we had, on the large-scale developments, the de, uh, developments of regional impact, had, um, had components within them when the state ran that process, the review process, for workforce mm-hmm. housing was a mandatory component whenever a DRI was put forth. And we've lost that. I think to Teresa's point, the mixed-use developments offer that uh, that opportunity. Um, and, you know, affordable housing, we have to go back to infrastructure. Affordable housing is no good if you, if it's out in the middle of nowhere and people have to drive everywhere to, to do their shopping or to go to work. Um, we have to make sure the infrastructure is available for those uh, places where affordable housing can be placed. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to, hey, Toby, we're going to, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, we're, go ahead. <laughs> I hate being on the phone. Uh, <laughs> the the problem with uh, it's compounded because the people who are income constrained are often also transportation constrained. All exactly. Right. All right. Very good. All right. We're going to wrap up this segment. Brian, you had something to say. Well, I'm just thinking we could we could work as much as we want, change laws locally, um, but I don't know. I, I I'm just wondering if if we did all that, does 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 that really do much for the price? Because we're talking about the whole state. You know, the, there's affordable cra- housing crisis everywhere. And if we if we pass all these laws and and did that, would it would it really bring our price down? Like we would be this one little oasis where, hey, Palm Coast is the one place that has affordable housing. If that happened, then everyone would flock there, and then it would just all go back to to the. To higher price. Well, wages just aren't keeping up with the increase in housing. Toby, I want to bring you back. I did a little research back in March of 2019. You did an affordable housing um, article, and and it's interesting when you look at the numbers then to now. So you had a mm-hmm. city of Palm Coast household median income was $51,000, and as you mentioned earlier, it's now 61000 so it's up 20%. But when you looked at the housing, the median housing in 2019 was $241,000. Now it's the right. The report is 379,000. That's 137,000 up, or 57% increase. So the the housing market rates uh, or wages just aren't keeping up with with the housing market. No, you're you're exactly right. But we could we could do some little things that would would incrementally bring costs down. And and one of those, for instance, was I was involved. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, got the planning board to agree to recommend uh, changing the land development code to allow single car garages, and that that can save some thousands of dollars in construction costs on a home. And the single family homes are also have uh, have a minimum of twelve hundred square feet. Those two things are just arbitrary numbers. 
single card, uh, and the city council didn't. Um, Jim Landon and I never got along very well. And so, so by the time this got to the city council, the staff recommendation didn't even mention the fact that the uh, planning board had recommended it. But to allow a single car garage, let's drop the minimum square footage down to say 900 feet. And people say, well, single car garage, that's, you know, we want our town to be what ITT planned. And ITT did have single car garages. The two car garage. Uh, limit was put in when the, the incorporated city of Palm Coast developed their first land development code. There are single car garages all over town. You don't notice them because they're unnoticeable. They don't affect the property value of their neighbors. All right. Those are all okay. Teresa, go ahead. Go ahead. Just Teresa. really quick. I mean, I think if we go back to what the chamber has said and what, what Mr. Blase was saying, we have a jobs problem here in the county. And I think that rather than depending on government to fix a housing issue, we need to depend on government to fix a jobs issue. We need to be focusing on bringing in industry, bringing in pharmaceuticals, tech, things right now that are hot, that we know that there's um, an increase in need for. And those are good paying jobs. And to um, Commissioner Dance's point as well, we need to really, really invest in tech jobs, things that need tech training. We've been so focused in this country for so long on higher education and college, when really I think that there's a shortage in, in skilled laborers. And we really need to be encouraging our students who may not be, who don't want, who might not want to go to college, but can get a really good job in the skilled labor force. Um, and then bringing those industries in. That's a that's a good way. Of, I like that. That's a good way of attacking. Instead of lowering the bar for what people can afford, let's help people be able to afford nice places and not, you know, reducing it down to, you know, just survival housing type of thing. Hey, Toby, we got to go. As always, um, love. You can listen to your show. Go. Um, it's the uh, Real Estate Matters Saturdays 11 here. WNZF and your podcast are very popular. People listen to those on the uh, Flagler radio mobile app. But thank you. We appreciate what you do for the community. Thank you. Glad to be on. All right. Have a good weekend. All right. We got to take a break and uh, we'll be back. We've got more to talk about. And um, so uh, keep it right here on WNZF Free for All Friday. Teresa Pontieri, our Palm Coast City Councilwoman here. Also, Andy Dance, County Commissioner, District 1. Are you going to run again? You're up for election, aren't you? Yes, sir. I filed paperwork, so the reelection campaign's underway. All right. We haven't heard the last of Andy Dance. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Attorneys at Law is here. Insurance companies say we're too aggressive. We say thank you for the compliment. I'm Josh Woolsey. Car crash? Personal injury? Call us first. Offices Jacksonville and now Palm Coast. WoolseyMorkham.com. Want to flex your golf skills but don't have the time for a full 18 holes? Head on down to the Palm Harbor Golf Club. You can hit up our driving range with a bucket of balls for a long-distance workout or head over to our putting green to work on your short game. Either way, you're going to get in a great game of golf. For more information or to book a tee time, visit us at palmharborgolfclub.com or give us a call at 386-986-4653. That's 386 986 
golf. If you're planning on driving your car for a while, you better take care of it now. And if your air conditioning isn't blowing cold, we can fix it before the whole thing goes out and save you money. Do you know where we are? We've consolidated into one great location. Quantum tires and auto repair. We do it all at our new location, State Road 11 and the railroad tracks in Bunnell. You'll see us. Quantum tires and auto repair. We do it all. 437-3677. 437-3677. Quantum. It's new. The Palm Coast Report. Your number one source for all local news, all in one place. Palm Coast Report. Local news you can trust. Truth meter verified. Follow on Facebook or online at palmcoastreport.com. 9.37, free for all Friday, and it's a little bit wet out there. Bob Pickering is uh, telling you that there's going to be surf advisories, but next week things will get a little bit better and a little bit wet. In the studio, we have Teresa Pontieri, Andy Dance, our, uh, well, Andy is our commissioner for Flagler County. Are you the? Are you going to be the chair next year, aren't you? Yes, sir. If they still have to vote me in, but that's the plan. Is there any, <laughs> anybody trying to vote you out? No, I don't think so. I think um, I think we have a great a great board right now, and um, and we're working well together as a unit. So um, you said you were going to make some changes if you became the uh, chair of, of the board. What what are you thinking? Um, well, I learned a lot in three years, especially on the the budget um, process. So I've got some great ideas about getting a, a jump start. Um, especially on on commissioner priorities and making sure that we get that established early, um, and then you know because typically we don't get started till January, and I'd like to get us started in November and have the commissioners uh, have early input onto what their what their priorities are. Okay, do you think that it often is too far down the road? Like too many to, too too many things kind of already get settled essentially before the commissioners get input is that why you're talking why you're saying that well i think what has happened in the past is is we don't get the conversations um out early enough on priorities and then we're halfway through the budget process before uh you know the voices start to come out about and and then staff has to backtrack and change so i mean as a team unit we all need to be on the same page and For, and for example do you think that it would be good to know up front like do you think we should go to rollback or not? Like, Absolutely, I think I we mean, should have because um, if it's late, a philosophy of of of, of, roll, of well of millage, right? We should have a philosophy. I even think we should look at a long. I think if uh, what's a five year strategy for rolling back uh, millage and uh, and try to stick with that. But I think that is definitely part of it. You, you, I think the tendency is to throw that in too late in the process when it should be one of the first things we talk about. And then it seems like. It's a crisis. We have to cut all this stuff. But if we say it from the beginning, right. hey, hey, we want to keep the taxes the same as they were last year or whatever, then right. maybe it doesn't. It takes a little bit of the politics out of it, ironically, even though that could be part of the part. It's probably more political at the beginning, maybe. But well, there's more. Um, I think there's consensus amongst the commission that you know we want to continually try to um, to roll back the millage as 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 much as we can during each yeah. budget. Each budget season is is different. Right, property values change from year to year, and um, uh, and we're getting a lot of you know the last two years we've gotten a lot of money on projects from the state to help us with some capital projects. So um, it's uh, it's just all of that ties together. But I, I think the earlier we, as a team, talk about those things, the better the process will be. The um, one word that plays into everything we've talked about here today is inflation. 
And um, and Teresa, at the Pomco City Council meeting, you made a statement the other day. You said that of a, we're in imminent, and if I say it right, imminent recession. You you feel that that um, you know there's more tough times ahead. What's what's explain that a little? Well, I, and I think if you know, I'm a real estate attorney, so and and also business attorney, and so I often see trends. And I remember when even before I was in law school, I worked for a foreclosure attorney. Um, who was right there in the thick of things between 2008, 2009, and 2010. And you're seeing some of the same type of trends, the high interest rates. I mean, that's what a lot of people back then entered into low interest that then ballooned into high interest, and that's what made them get foreclosed on. So we're seeing those same type of trends. And the fact of the matter is more adults are living on credit cards right now than they have in decades, maybe ever before. I don't know if it's ever before, but I do know it's decades. So that is a recipe for disaster. And I hate to be kind of the bearer of bad news. I think everybody kind of feels this imminent cloud that is going to close in on us. And if we don't prepare for that, we are not planning smartly for our communities. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and in, in indicators it looked with the food drive with mm-hmm. uh, how many, you know, thousand more families here in Flag, just in Flagler County that that need the food to, um, you know, so they can make their, you know, pay make their payments. And I know, you know, there's a uh, uh, and then, you know, young families, of course, that are um, now interest rates even think about buying a home which means you got to have more of a down payment and they're squandering not squandering but they're spending that to survive which could have been down payment money and everything so yeah it is like how do we get our way out of this what's the what's the answer because we've bet like you said we've been there before how did we get out of it and go back to prosperity i think a lot of it is um you know some of it is national policy making unfortunately we have to rely on really looking at kind of what the core of these increased prices are. So when we have an increase in fuel, we know it's going to, it just, it goes on the line, right? It increases the price to transport product. And so that's going to increase the price at the gas station, obviously, and it's going to increase the price at the grocery store. So there are national policy making kind of consequences that we're feeling right now. Um, So hopefully they can get kind of a hand on it over there in the Fed. I'm not holding my breath anytime we can, soon. We can trust them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's why I said I'm not holding my breath. Um, but, you know, I, I think that if we prepare ourselves as a community knowing that something is coming, in other words, when we look at our millage rate and we look at, um, you know, do we roll back now so that we, if the if the values of our homes go down, we can afford to increase it just a little bit so that we can bring in more money and still support the services that the city needs. That is something that we really need to be looking ahead at, to, to Commissioner Dance's point, not just looking at this year, but looking at the next five years. So um, somebody had texted in. They said, are you uh, anti-growth Teresa here. So, you know, people put labels on. Are you are you anti-growth growth or what? Go ahead and put the wrong label on you. I'm anti-follow our code. And, you know, for instance, we just um, for the we annexed in a community development. This was uh, you mentioned this earlier when I had a discussion with a developer from the dais. They want to increase from 405 previously approved units at the county. They annex into the city and want to increase that maximum density to 850. Why? Why do we need to increase it? We have a code for a reason. Now, I understand in our code, they they would be allowed for more density. But what we're seeing is that they're in, a lot of developers are wanting to annex in from the county into the city so that they can increase that density. And so my point has been and will continue to be we have a code for a reason and I'm not anti-growth. Property owners have rights, and I want to continue to be able to provide various housing products, but we need to do it in a smart way, and we need infrastructure. A lot of people don't realize that both at the city and the county level, our legislative asks are for water treatment 
and water capacity. That is a very scary situation. And it's a statewide problem. It's not just us here in Flagler County, but we are asking the state for money for water. <laughs> if we don't get that, that is millions of dollars that we're going to have to spend. So those are the things that we need to look at before we just start adding in more growth. Are you in, in coordination with uh, Andy and the county, the city of Palm Coast? You guys go to Tallahassee for the ask with, um, you, you know, you know what each other is doing? Or? We have regional asks. Yeah we, yeah, we know what each other's doing. And through the regional council, the North Florida Regional council we uh we have regional um policies as well statements um i know one of ours we we go back to economic development and infrastructure and one of our asks is to expand water and sewer to the south uh, us1 corridor which is right now doesn't have uh, any water or sewer capabilities and to and to do any development would require ormond beach coming up but they don't want to help us out on that front, so it's been a fight. Yeah, didn't we lose that one right. uh, furniture company? Exactly. That, you know, so because so of that, you know. this is important for us in, in, in asking for a lot of these infrastructure um, projects. Florida, uh, the central, uh, the Central Commerce Parkway was one that was last year was awarded, which is the the loop road through Benel, which opens up a lot of commercial and um, and low you know, potentially affordable housing property um, mm -hmm. for development in the outskirts of Benel. Are, are are septic tanks? I mean, they have a bad, bad reputation. But like, is it better to try to find a way to make septic tanks work to to allow for that as opposed to like having you know? I mean, this infrastructure we're talking about is like big pipes going everywhere. Um, well, it's capacity I, issues. Septics yeah. can only hold so much and do right. so much. Um, the technology is is great now for new systems. Yeah. What we end up with trouble is, like in the at Barrier Island, the hammock is trying to convert older septic systems that have issues that leak into the water table or into the intercoastal canal, and they create those those problems that we see in other parts of the state with red tide and whatnot. So it's important for us to improve the infrastructure and get that get the sewer in those types of areas and, and get uh, septic off. I mean, but if the, if the answer is like, we just talked to Toby Tobin, like if we, if we could have some housing going farther out West before the infrastructure gets there. And if the new septic tanks are better than the old septic tanks, um, and that could be part of what allows the, you know, some housing to be more affordable. Is that worth thinking about or, is is our, is our attitude that septic tanks are just off the table? We can't do it because they 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 sound bad and maybe they don't work as well. Yeah, it's know. just one component. I mean, right. of infrastructure. So broadband, do we have that out there? Electricity, yeah. is there road capacity? Is there any place to shop within close proximity? If Cody's we're just corner. talking affordable, Cody's corner. <laughs> when you think that you know, to me, it seems archaic the way we do sewer and wastewater and all that. I mean, you know, here we are, we're flushing the toilet with drinking water and um, and then piping it and sending it miles into and we've taken the tour of the this of the high-tech sewer plant where all the stuff goes through the sifters. Are you proposing what I think you're proposing? Oh, what am, well, guess what am I proposing? Drinking the wastewater? No. Oh, well, well the, you there, do, actually. That is every, you actually do. That, that is every, I mean, that you, is... You do drink the wastewater. Well, as an RV camper, I think everybody yeah. needs to go out and do some camping because <laughs> so, you quickly, you you know, become very conservative <laughs> on your water and yeah. waste because there's only a little tiny place holding it. So. The waste, the, the, the water, the treated water can get to drinking quality. I mean, we... That technology is there. It's just a, a, a mental barrier that a lot of people have. But yeah. someday, someday that might become the norm who knows well in zephyr hills where i was the 
chamber president years ago. Um, the guy was so proud of the sewer plant there. He uh, did that and he opened up the valve and drank the water. The <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so he's like, yeah, you can. But but it's almost like, you know, instead of using water, like when you flush the toilet, it should be like a um, like an evaporation of, of heat kind of thing and, and, and not, you know, using water to push all this stuff through. The, it just seems archaic the way that, you know, with this day and age. Anyway, that's just me. So somebody at Embry-Riddle ought to uh, work on that as a project. How to, to replace water in the sewer system? Yeah, it just replace the whole sewer system. You know? <laughs> just like it's self-contained, like Andy said, in the RV, you kind of like live. Septic tanks. No, anyway, pep tanks. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so we got to re- give us some good news, Andy, from uh, the county here on the commission. What hasn't been in the news that's uh, good that should have been? Oh, my goodness. Well, we have, you know, thankfully we've got <clears throat> between Speaker Renner and Senator Hudson, we've had some good advocates in Tallahassee and have brought back some important projects for us. So, um, you know, it's it's really critical that with that support, it, it helps us move things forward tremendously. Um, I just know, right, we've had um, we've had a lot of projects that have been ribbon cutting. So the the pedestrian bridge, which we get mm-hmm. a little bit of grief over because of it's an expensive infrastructure project. Um, but it's it's in phase one. I mean, we have a um, the expansion of that is going to be a, an entire trail system down Old Kings Road through the Bulow Creek headwaters. We've got plans for a regional park. Um, down in, in Bulow Creek, a, a passive recreational regional park with access to Bulow Creek, which, again, will tie into uh, the Loop Trail system in Norman Beach and, nor- and North Volusia County. Um, and, and from a, a tourism standpoint, um, the ecotourism component is huge. Um, and, and that's one of the other asks is our, is our ecotourism uh, headquarters, if you will, which is right at the base of the of the pedestrian bridge, which will um, open up um, a significant contribution toward tourism and also conservation and history. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. Teresa, what are you excited about? What's positive after we talked about inflation and unaffordable housing and all that kind of stuff? What, uh, what makes you happy being a city councilwoman? So I'm super proud of our council and our city staff. We passed our budget. We were able to do a rollback. And um, we've got some really good infrastructure projects in the pipeline. So a lot of people have been really concerned about the condition of our roads, road safety. We've seen, um, unfortunately, crashes and even fatalities increase in the city. But we are really, now that we have our budget passed and our um, strategic action plan can now be put into place for what city council planned at the beginning of this year. So we're going to start seeing those projects come to fruition and um, really start to see some exciting things happen that we had budgeted for that we were able to pass and that we're now going to actually be able to put into action. All right. So we got a lot of good stuff going on. Yeah. And I want to plug too. uh, uh, in May, we uh, unveiled our transparency page. And if everybody goes to the Filer County website, um, it's awesome. We, we have all kinds of information. There's 10 different bullets that people can look at there. Uh, how the you know for their property where their taxes go um, we have the budget the breakdown of our budget on that page and uh, I think it's a really good tool that we just have to talk more about so residents have that information at their fingertips okay all right and you know and what I say too is uh, you know on the, the social media there's so much misinformation out there it's just really uh, you know uh, you know know what you're talking about before you talk I would say and and look at the, the that you know that what you're talking about go to the source of 
of information. The city of Palm Coast has an app. The uh, what's it called? The Palm Coast Palm Connect. Coast Connect. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and watch the the city council meet. You can watch them on YouTube. That's what I do. You know, you can. And all of our budget sheets are on the website. So people who um, you know have been upset about lack of transparency in government, generally speaking, that's certainly not taking place in Palm Coast because all of mm-hmm. our budget worksheets, everything is up on the website. It's very accessible and you can obviously watch on YouTube and other uh, ways to the, the city council meetings and the county commission meetings. And, if, yeah, you, and, and look- if you don't want to watch all that, you can read the concise, accurate summary in the Observer. Absolutely. Wow. All right. I'm going to send it's you nice a bill little, for that. Nice Good plug. Commercial. Good plug. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're going to take a quick break and talking about fun stuff. We've got our 18th annual Creekside Festival coming up, and we're going to uh, talk real quick with Robin. Oh, she's the owner of Noah's Landing and find out what kind of critters we're going to have out there for you. She told me, I was talking to her, she said she had a baby alpaca with diapers running around the house and she had to hang up the phone. So we're going to find out there. We'll talk about some good stuff coming up next weekend right here. Ready to sell it. This is Sam Perkovich, broker owner of Parkside Realty Group. Stop by our office in Town Center or call us at 302-0300. Visit us online at parksiderealtygroup.net. See this? It's a generator for your home. Never needs gas, no moving parts, and it's quiet as a church mouse. Hurricane or power outage headed our way? No worries now. It's a solar generator for your home that works day and night and pays for itself through energy savings and tax credit. Hi folks, this is Bill Gallagher with SolarFit. We're your Tesla certified power wall installer and the future is here. Give us a call today for all the details. 445-7606. SolarFit your life and set yourself free with the sun's free energy. I'm really blessed to have the opportunity to work with uh, their internship program. I wish when I was going through high school here in Flagler that I had the opportunity to be able to work for a tech company locally and be able to get that that experience. You know, I'm definitely excited to be more of a part of Coastal Cloud and the community. Nine fifty-five. Got a few minutes to go, and uh, yeah, it was kind of a kind of a bummer our topics today. But it's the reality with inflation and money and stress, and you know, we talk with uh, you know even uh, you know Staley is the stress in the households, and um, I've listened to some of those and how you know domestic violence and all those sort of things. And by the way, um, and based on that, we're also the Creekside Festival coming up is to benefit. Uh, Trish Jaconi and the uh, family life center. Life center. <laughs> I, I, I always want to put the word care in there. And she goes, there's no care in the name. They're so very caring. Family. But... Yeah. Family life center. So we're going to really help them out after, in my opinion, the United way really cut them short bad this year of 50 grand that, um, and she has more, she's helping more people than ever. And here in Flagler County. So it's anyway. very important that you did that. I, I want to thank you tremendously. I am on the board, right. With oh. the, as the county commission rep for the for the Family Life Center and, and having seen and, and heard about the effects of those reductions in their budget from outside agencies, this is huge for them. So thank you. Okay, well, we'll do all we can. Hope everybody shows up and uh, we get some good weather, please, Mother Nature. Hey, and, uh, and it's also a good weekend just to come out with the family and... Um, and just, you know, have a good time. Get away from it all. And uh, one of the things I love is Noah's Landing. Robin, are you there? 
I'm here. I was telling them how I was talking to you, and you go, oh, the baby alpaca is running through the house with diapers on. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> she doesn't have any idea she's a farm animal. Uh, is she going to, are we going to see her out here? The, oh, yeah. Oh, cool. All right. So um, I've only got a few minutes, but tell us um, at the Creekside Festival, October 7th and 8th, what, uh, what are you bringing out for us to, to enjoy and interact with? Well, we'll have our petting zoo for everyone to enter and interact with all the animals hands-on and face-to-face, but we'll also have a little something special where we have some of our bigger animals in a a separate area where uh, your guests will be able to come and purchase small feed cups to feed the animals, which everyone loves to feed. So we'll have at least a, you know, a donkey and a cow and some bigger sheep and goats in there, all just a really good interactive animal experience Teresa, when we had danko in here we uh, put a chicken in his lap unexpectedly <laughs> I, I was trying to get a cow in here to see if you could milk it but that didn't work out have you ever milked a cow i have not i i used to um help my uncle on his farm and never milked a cow but i'm super excited to see an alpaca i think they're so adorable andy uh, you've milked a cow uh yes i actually right little known fact um Grew up here on Old Kings Road. Um, the family homestead was a cattle ranch. So we had a 500 acre cattle ranch, one of only two that were on the east side of I 95 at the time, uh, you know, 50 years ago in Flagler County. But, do, you miss, uh, <laughs> do, you, do you miss those cow days? I do. I mean, growing up in the ranch was awesome experience. And, but those were beef cattle. But my, my grandfather had the, uh, the, the milk cattle up in uh, the ranch in Connecticut where he was. So. When, when we had a, a Danko on here and we had the, the chicken, he go because the girl from 4-H, cute, you know, she brought it in. This is her pet. And, and he goes, oh, this is a, I go, was that a, he goes, this a rooster? Is, he goes, oh, this is a hen. And she goes, no, it's not. It was a pullet. And we're like, what is a pullet? <laughs> Andy, you know a difference between a pullet and a hen? Um, and, a, and a push it or a pullet? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Robin, help us out. What's a, you're, gonna, you're bringing a pullet or a hen, or what else are you bringing? <laughs> I I think they'll have a little menagerie of all of that uh, in the petting zoo where you enter. So we have a little pig and little lambs and little goats. We've had lots of stuff born on the farm just in the past couple of weeks. So it should be a really good time for your guests. All right. And you do such a great job. I always, I always kind of hate using the word, you know, petting zoo because you think of like you know like nasty germy dirty kind of stuff but you you guys do it so well where it's so cute where the little kids get to go into an area and you and you uh, kind of pace them so that they have time individually and they're great pictures for parents like pictures of them holding a rabbit and and all that kind of stuff so um so we're we're happy to really love our animals and we really love the public and it's just a great marriage of um a way for kids to get to interact with animals because there's so few places that they can see them face to face like that yeah all right that's cool all right robin we'll we'll let you go we'll see you uh 7th and 8th of october at the creekside festival you didn't answer the question oh what was that pull it Oh, a pullet. What is the pullet? It's a young it, female chicken is what I just... Yeah, yeah. It hasn't started laying yet. It can't lay yet. So yeah. it's not a hen yet, but it turns into a hen. Mm-hmm. All right, Andy, does a, does a bull turn into a steer? <laughs> Great, thanks. <laughs> you want me to go? Where did we just turn the corner on that discussion? <laughs> we always try to learn something here or, or give out bad misinformation. All right. Hey, Robin, thanks a lot. We'll learn all about animals at the uh, Creekside. Right. Looking 
forward to seeing you guys. Have uh, a great day. All Bye-bye. right, take care. All right, and then real quick, of course, we do have the uh, third annual Sheriff's the Cops versus the uh, Firefighters Chili Cook-Off on Saturday at noon. And um, we've got Sheriff Staley that's holding the trophy. Um, for two years in a row, you've uh, held the Chili Trophy here. So uh, good morning, Sheriff. Good morning, David. And, and we're going to hold it again for the third year. But before we get to that, I just want you to know that as a young kid at a ranch, I did milk a cow. Okay. All right. So you're qualified. You can give a demonstration then on uh, the, the weekend out there. So, um, all It'd right. It'd probably be very messy, but yes. <laughs> so you have um, uh, won the chili cook-off. Uh, Chief Tucker says you guys cheat, and that's why you win. And um, so uh, what's your response? So we're going to put his allegation that our chili comes from Wendy's uh, to bed. Excuse me. Uh, at the chili cook-off this year, um, you will see where the chili cook-off or the chili is coming from from the sheriff's office, and uh, we we are going to take it over the top. And since the fire department keeps having a fire boot to put, you know, their voting coins in that they fill the foot trying to beat us, uh, we now have a sheriff's boot that's going to be there. Okay. All right. Well, I know it's, you never quite know. And also we have a, uh, a real uh, moonshine still, which is going to be right next to you. Uh, we haven't, Charlie Cracker, we haven't told him that because he's scared to death of you. But anyway, that'll be out there at the I, Creek. Side. I thought we've gotten ready to have arrested him two years in a row. He's coming back again. He must like the green roof in. <laughs> well, he says it's not moonshine. It's hand sanitizer he's making. So um, we'll see. Well, there was a lot of that made back in 2000, 2001. Is that the sheriff's secret ingredient? Hands, oh, yeah, yeah, a little moonshine in the chili. Oh, okay, I like that. Hey, also, um, real quick here, is the, um, we're going to have the fast draw competition, which, and these are all, these, and when you, with the chili contest, you, you put a, whatever it is, a few dollars in for charity, and then you get a two coin, you get a coin in and and two cups, and you taste both the chilies, A and B, and then you put the coin in the one that you think tastes the best. That's how that works. And then we also are going to have the fast draw competition, which I love. And tell, explain what that is. So fast draw is uh, it's like the Old West, and you use uh, 45 uh, caliber single-action pistols with a bullet that's really just a wax and a, a primer. It gives it just enough power to... Uh, push it out the barrel and, and hit the target. The target is a timer. And once you hit the target, it stops the time. And so uh, what you're going to try to do is is beat my time, my wife's time. Uh, you won't be competing directly against us because we're going to be busy that day. But, um, um, you know, we'll set a time and, and uh, you know, we'll see who can beat me. And, and a few people have. I've I've uh, slowed down a little bit. I haven't had any time to practice since the uh, the last chili cook-off, so I haven't had any time even so far this week. don't know about next week uh, to practice, so I guess I'm making it a little easier for everybody to uh, say they outshot the sheriff this year. All right, well, I'm going to try. Teresa, have you ever done that, the fast draw? I have not. I watched oh. it, and it's I like watching well, if you, it. Are you gonna, if, come on out. Are you going to come out to Creekside? 
Uh, yeah, of course. Okay. Well, the chili cook-off is one of my favorites. That's Saturday. Yeah, also, uh, Paul Renner is going to do the opening ceremonies at noon on Saturday. We're, we have a special thing for veterans. We're going to be recognizing them and also all of our elected officials. If you come out, we'll hand you the wireless mic and introduce yourself to the crowd. But um, that'll be at noon on Saturday to kick everything off. Anyway, uh, Sheriff Rick Staley, thank you. Appreciate all you do for keeping us safe and having fun. All right, and to Mike Tucker, you're going down in flames. <laughs> okay. All right, we got to uh, get out of here. We're way over. That's why, he's a, that's, that's why he's a fireman, because he's going to need this new helicopter to put the fire out. <laughs> okay. All right, we'll uh, send him that sound clip there. All right, Rick Staley, thank you. Right. Final comments, Thanks, uh, Andy Dance. Um, AHAC meeting, October 24th. That's the Affordable Housing Advisory Committee, 3 p.m. at EOC. Since we talked about that, I'll meet. I'll uh, show. Very good. All right, we'll follow up with that. Teresa Pontieri, City Councilwoman, Palm Coast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Really looking forward to a lot of our community events. Definitely come out with your families. It's a great way to get involved with our county and our city. All right, Brian. Have a great weekend, everybody. All right, be safe. Take care of each other. Every weekend. Serving Flagler County for over a decade. WNZF, 1550 AM, 94.9 FM, and W235CW Bunnell.